G'day, potatoes. Um, welcome to DevIne, a development and design podcast focused around the web um, with other little nugs of info around small business, tech, and other stuff as well. Um, I'm Nick. I run a digital agency uh, called Links Digital out of Melbourne, and this is Tomo. Hi, everyone. As Nick said, my name's Tom. I'm a graphic designer uh, based in a co-working space uh, called The Commons. Uh, that's actually how Nick and I know each other. We met each other here. So, yeah, I, I run a graphic design business, which is focused on branding. Cool. And um, so today, what we're going to talk about is um, misconceptions around designers and developers, and specifically, I guess, what misconceptions sort of each industry has about the other. Um, and then at the end, we'll go through some sort of uh, little nugs of wisdom um, as some of the sort of main actionable things you'll be able to get from the episode. Um, but first, I guess, um, Tomo, what kind of stuff have you been working on in the past week, Matt? Uh, the past week, there's been a few moving parts. I've been working on some pretty simple Squarespace websites. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always a fully-fledged, uh, designed and developed website. Right. Sometimes there's something a bit more quick and dirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're sort of like designing them on the go as you're building them? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and there are there are small workarounds that um, require a bit of code mm-hmm. um, just to make it all work. So, yeah, been getting those up and running. So, two websites there, halfway through a branding project. So, just uh, tightening up um, a logo and colour palette and um, typography palette. Um, So, that's all coming together. And the main thing I'm working on at the moment is a website design, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which I'm having a lot of fun with. Yeah, cool. Are you doing that in Figma or...? I am doing that in Figma, which is... uh, has proven to be a, a, an awesome resource for, for designing websites. Yeah. Um, and you'd probably know that I'm using Figma because you provided me the wireframes for that. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. All right, well, yeah, what I've been doing the past week is, yeah, those wireframes. So me and Tom, I work on a few projects together um, every now and then. So finished off those wireframes, which has been really good. Um, it's It's awesome to see sort of like the website they have at the moment and just how poor the layout and all the, the information architecture is and then to sort of start this process and now there's actually something we can see. So before that was just the information architecture but now it's actually like wireframes and you're like, cool, this is coming together now. Yeah. And it's sick to be able to see that it's going to be such a massive improvement from what they have at the moment. So that's super exciting. Um, also, I just got a new tattoo the other day which I'm fucking in love with. Yeah. Which I'm really in love with. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and the space bar on my MacBook is completely stuffed and it inserts double spaces everywhere, which is doing my head in and makes writing emails to clients so much longer. It is just so frustrating. Yeah, it's. I fear it's related to the model. Yeah, I know. That it's, um, butterfly uh, yeah, yeah. clip underneath. I had to get my whole top case replaced because my command key was not yeah. working. Oh, it's such a pain. I've heard so many stories, even just of friends as well, that's you know having lots of quality issues with these things. It's a Bloody shame. Yeah, bring back Steve. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cool. All right, well, let's get into it. Um, so first one, do you want to take it away, Tomo? Um, which way are you going? Well, I might just throw um, throw a misconception or a, or a, an idea that people have about developers just on the drop table. Drop a wild tot, mate. Let's yep. do it. Uh, developers aren't creative. Yep. Um, Tick next. <laughs> what do you th- What do you think about this? Yeah, you know? cool. This is a This is an interesting one. I think one of the reasons maybe that this is such a contentious issue is that 
creativity can mean so many different things. Yeah. And I think in the context of design, right, when you say creative, a lot of the time you're thinking sort of like artistically creative and then that doesn't necessarily translate that well into developers. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on the, the word, I guess, in general? Well, yeah, when, when I was talking to someone else here, here at this uh, at the Commons last night about creativity and, and we kind of uncovered that it's often associated with aesthetics, like visuals, mm-hmm. when, when, when really creativity is, is about being inventive or yep. doing something that, yeah, is innovative in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... And and as soon as that's said out loud, it's like, well, of course, developers uh-huh. can be creative sure. in their work. Um, but another thought I had about this in both fields, really, both graphic design and um, and development, is that maybe there's a need for an understanding of the foundations of the of the profession before real kind of true creativity can take place. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you mean sort of like having? sort of your set processes and structure that you can sort of use as a base and then uh, the creativity comes on top of that? or I mean having an understanding of the foundations. Mm-hmm. So in design it's going to be things like typography, concepts like hierarchy, yep. you know, the, the foundations of it. And in development I imagine it would be understanding these base languages mm-hmm. before you can really be creative right, or okay. start to connect dots or recognise other patterns. Um, what do you think about that assertion? Yeah. No, I think that's probably true. Um, definitely, I guess, like a better mastery of the, the, the skill or the trade <clears throat> than is allows you to be creative on top of that. I guess it's sort of maybe at the start, or at least for development at the start, it's focusing on functionality and just making it work and sort of any way that happens is probably a win for you. But then as you sort of start growing and getting better understanding and and whatnot, then it becomes, okay, let's solve this problem in a better way or in a creative way, for instance, um, to lead to better code or better outcomes or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate from from a development perspective at least. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And um, what's what's something you think about developers, uh, about designers, sorry, or some kind of, something you think that could be a, a misconception? Yeah. And I think probably my biggest one, or maybe at least one of the most common ones that I see, and it's virtually a flip of what we were just talking about, is that design is or requires a lot of creativity and you can't be a designer if you're not quote-unquote creative. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of developers struggle with because I guess they're told that they're not creative, um, then they believe it and could never see them doing anything design-related or, or learning mm. design. It was just, like, not a bone in their body that sort of ever existed. Yeah. And, like, I'd always felt that throughout all, like, school and whatnot where we were learning art. And I was like, you know, I just don't – I feel like I just don't have whatever this is and I could never do anything that was, quote-unquote, artistic or creative in that respect. Um, and so I guess I'd always just thought of myself as somebody like that, that I just didn't have it. But, yeah, I think that the, the case is that you can learn these things and there is quite a lot of process – driven stuff that you can do um you know in amongst creativity as well but that's yeah there is that part there to learn yeah for sure and yeah i mean sometimes i'm looking at my workspace my digital workspace be it you know i'm I'm in figma and i'm looking at you know version 23 of Mm -hmm. a homepage that i'm designing or if i'm in in design and i'm you know up to the 30th iteration of a poster i'm working on 
I'm looking at that, I'm like, well, this is pretty process-driven. Yeah, you know, this yeah, isn't yeah. some madman creativity totally, where totally. I'm just working on the <clears throat> same painting. Exactly. And I think based on that, it, yeah, it can definitely be learned and, and um, yeah, this, this idea that you have to be inherently creative is... A little warped, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sort of that's sort of one of the reasons, I think, is because when you see or you come from a concept and you see the finished design, from the outside, it just looks like this thing was created out of thin air and there was just some amazing things that happened and just came out of your brain and that's what the design ended up being. But what you don't see, obviously, is those 33 steps or those 33 iterations that have gone through that you've tried all different things, found the good pieces and like, and that's that that process that's gone through that you just don't see, you don't get visibility into. And so you yeah. just sort of think, oh, there was this massive flash of brilliance that created this design. And sure, that obviously does happen sometimes. But, yeah, I think you, you miss a lot of that meat that's in the middle that really is what the design process is. For sure. And I think that's something else to consider, I think. Um, you, well, it's, it's reiterating what you're saying. When a designer, when an experienced designer presents something to their client, they've probably conducted a whole range of trials. It's mm-hmm. not just the first thing that's sprung yep. to mind. Yep. They've tested quite a lot of things. And, and that's, that's, some, that's, that's how I'm starting to see design. It's about performing trials, right. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more time you have, often the, the better, to, yep. to perform more trials and to test other things, to know with confidence this is the best solution yeah, yeah. for this visual problem yeah and i remember seeing like sometimes you'll be like oh yeah i've been working on this idea or this concept for this piece and i'm just sort of fleshing it out more and more and more and then you know the next day you'll be like oh i'm so certain that this was the right way to go because we've done all these other pieces and they haven't worked that well and now we're like 100 percent. like it's sort of it's not and you say that sometimes that it's not like a surprise that it's sort of gotten there sort of you follow this idea of iterations and we've gotten to a point and you can sort of rationalize all the, the steps that have, or the decisions that have gone along the way to get to this end point. Yeah, it's very incremental. And mm. I borrowed this from, from Chris Doe, who's quite well known in this space. It's about scaffolding toward the end solution so that there's no... Oh, and it's also borrowing from Blair Ends, really, who is the author of um, The Win Without Pitching Manifesto. Yeah. And it's basically setting up your process so that there's no grand reveal at the end. It's right. like, rather than like this huge surprise, it's like... Of course, that's yep. the solution because yep. we've seen the process or we've been involved in some way, not involved it so intensely that you know, yep. you're know you signing off in every tiny uh-huh. microscopic decision, yep. but some involvement for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, okay, do you have any others, Tomo? Uh, developers are lured in with video games and beer. <laughs> this is a pretty good one. And uh, I guess in our cases, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, is that even a misconception? I don't know. I feel like that's almost applicable to any uh, any profession, is it? <laughs> um, yeah. Look, <laughs> I think it's certainly applicable for, for you and Andrew. Yeah, that's definitely true. What, uh, what else you got in there for... Um, yeah, I guess it's the, all the ones I have are sort of an extension of that idea. Um, one of the things that I think, yeah, like I was saying before, that there is some kind of defined process and there is some sort of hard theory that you can apply to something to make a good design. And I think that as a developer, it's really good to sort of start flexing those muscles and, and 
trying to understand and learn and have some sort of process yourself. And I think like, so as an example, when I've been building this web app or building, adding features to this web app for a long time now, and we have a, um, a UI slash UX designer that um, works with me and sort of we'll sort of, so the process is we'll, we'll decide on whatever the feature is um, and then we'll sort of talk about how it might work, how it should feel, etc. Then I'll go away and build it functionally so you can actually like do stuff with it and it works functionally. But then what I'll do is sort of go through and review it from a UX perspective. And I think that that step and a few others afterwards are ones that developers just don't do. They sort of don't see that as their job description maybe or they just right. sort of, you, you kind of, you're, you're in the development mind frame and you finish the functionality and you're like, cool, that's done now. Okay, cool. And you just sort of don't really think or it's, yeah, it's just something that doesn't come to your mind sometimes to think, okay, let's actually relook at this from a different perspective and see if I can make some improvements before I send it off to a designer or whatever it might be. Yeah, which is quite interesting because in the, in the same way, like I think it's important for a designer to not just ship the designs and think that that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, can this actually be built yeah, effectively? Yeah, sure. Does this make sense for all the devices mm-hmm. that the the audience is using? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's not necessarily immediate. Yeah. If you're doing web designs. Totally. The immediate reflex is to be like, I'm done, here you go. Exactly. Have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Talk to you never. That was my job description and catch you later. Yeah. yeah. for sure. And so, yeah, doing those, so like I'll do a UX review step, which I think is probably, at least for me, that makes the most sense in my brain because it's a little bit more logical maybe in a way of, okay, does the user sort of understand this? Does it fit with the consistency of the rest of the app and the other actions they're doing and in the context of whatever page they're in and that kind of stuff? And then I'll think about it from a an aesthetic perspective as well. I think, okay, now let's just make it look a little nicer. And that for me, or doing that sort of process or the aesthetic part is uh, probably comes down to two main things. One of them is grid like we spoke about in the other episode. So just using that to help place things initially or use it as a guide or an inference as to where to put things and to make things sort of look a bit tighter. And then the second one is um, <clears throat> grouping things. Um, I think actually you called it something else before, um, but the idea of sort of putting things closer together on the page which are semantically linked or which are together sort of in your mind. So as an example, if you have like two articles, the spaces between the heading of the article and the body copy would probably be smaller than the spaces between the articles because the articles are separate things and you're sort of like drilling down and down and down and things are closer together when they should be in your mind closer together in, in a yeah, way. Does well, that you, sort of make you sense? You want to communicate that the content is associated. Exactly, yeah. And I found applying that that idea to almost everything really... Oh, so yeah, it was a hierarchy that you were saying before. Mm, yeah. And I guess, and maybe that was to do with type, but I think there's a hierarchy in you know, where those things are placed and semantically trying to organise them so that they make logical sense, you know, as units or as pieces um, together. For sure, yeah. And I guess also the implications of that is it makes it easy for Google to read. For sure, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it translates to development really well, definitely, yeah. And I think, yeah, and I guess the key takeaway for me from all that has been to do those steps, but, like, do it with purpose and intention. Like, actually be like, okay, I'm going to do this now and actually review this from a UI perspective or whatever. And that sort of doing it specifically, I think, is really the key that sort of helps you develop those skills to, to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so something that initially I thought about development um, was that it was wildly inaccessible right? and just requires 
an ability to telepathically enter the matrix. Yeah, and yeah. It was only in actually developing a site that I got exposure to um, the fact that it's achievable. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was easy. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, went through some <coughs> some tutorials and next thing you know, I developed a custom WordPress theme. Like, yeah. it's probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting to see that, you know, with with a bit of commitment to sure. learning the content and also having, you know, you and Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew is Nick's business partner at this digital agency um, that they run. They were just nearby, so I was able to troubleshoot a lot of problems that yeah, I was having. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about that perception that development is wildly inaccessible? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's a good one. Um, and definitely, like, yeah, you know, people always joke about being in the matrix and they say, oh, you know, programming is just like, it's just another language to me. I'm like, well, yeah, it is another language, mate. Like, that's all it is. You, and you can learn another language. Anybody can just with, um, you know, dedication and commitment. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, yeah, I don't know. But it's definitely learnable, I guess, by anybody. That's all it is, really. It's not some higher plane of thinking. It's just another language. What do you think is the best or one of the better entry points for development? Because I feel as though I talk to a lot of designers who have done a course somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. They've built some site that's not based on a real project, forgotten everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Because I've done this before as well. I've uh-huh. done quite a few courses, and it was only when I had a few live projects that I was like, I think this information is now in my brain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, if you can do it on a live project, it's definitely the best way to do it like you did. And, you know, your the accountability is there, the external accountability from that client is there to, to deliver something. And so you'll spend, you know, your nights pulling your hair out trying to figure stuff out, but you will learn it in the end. Um, and so doing that under a time pressure like that, I think, is a great idea. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's just, you know, it's like it's like any skill, right? Like mm-hmm. I was saying before, it is any skill. And so as long as you can do some some form of sort of re- repetition, you know, every couple of days or whatever it might be working on this thing, then you will get it and eventually it'll stick into your brain. But I guess the interesting thing to think about as well is like as a developer, I don't, I don't remember many things. I just understand the concepts mm-hmm. and then – like even some syntax, I completely forget, and it's virtually irrelevant to me because either the IDE picks it up, that is the whatever I'm programming in can give me hints about it, um, or I'll just Google it. And like yeah. that happens on a daily basis. Even there's lots of JavaScript um, like string functions, and I'm like, Fuck, um, you know, what, what the hell is arguments in this one? And I'll just literally go and look it up, and it's like, you know, the most basic article on MDN. And so, yeah, I think that's important. MDN's the Mozilla developer network? Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah, yeah. which... Yeah, it's probably better than W3 Schools or W3 Fools, which has fallen out of popularity over the past couple of years. But, um, yeah, right. Yeah, people just – some of the examples on there are just really bad. Um, but, yeah, and so there's heaps of Googling about stuff like that. So it's not that you need to remember everything. It's more you just need, need to remember what steps go where and, and the concepts behind it, you know. You don't need mm. to remember every piece of syntax and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, I found that that quite, quite fascinating while building this site. Mm-hmm. I kind of started to learn how to search properly yeah, for things. Yeah, absolutely. But also I think the more exposure you get to certain things, it's almost like you've got um, a filing cabinet mm-hmm. built in your brain and you know to yep. where you can draw on. Yeah, for sure. So even I was working through a course um, 
I was I did a WordPress development course on Superhigh, which is probably the best mm-hmm. um, resource out there, I'd say, for designers. Right. Based on working through quite a few different courses prior. How long is that course? Um, it's it's I think it's designed to be completed across four or five weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, Just online, yeah. Online, yeah. 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 And and they set it up so that you know you complete it while they're releasing courses. Right. Which, but I ended up um, just skipping through different chapters and being like, okay, I need to create a repeatable section right, here, okay. so I'm going to go straight to that tutorial right, right. and work through it. Um, but yeah, I found that that quite interesting. Learning how to search for things yep. became the most valuable tool. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah, that's that's an important thing you mentioned about sort of skipping through to find the relevant pieces that you're working on at the time. Like, I know that sort of the big question when you're learning web development is, okay, what do I learn next, basically? And, you know, how many tutorials do I do before I start building a project and whatever that might be? My advice generally is just start building something you want to build that's solving somewhat of a real-world problem for yourself, and then you just learn the pieces that you need to learn as you Mm. go. Yep. And that's a good guide to sort of take that journey. Definitely, and it's it's probably more broadly related to how to effectively consume content, to right? 100%. Like, yeah. rather than picking up a book and being like, I have to read every chapter in this. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I recently did this with a colour theory book, mm-hmm. awesome one that um, my housemate lent to me. And it, it it covered architecture, interior design, right? you know, a whole range of things. And I, I just zoomed into, like, two chapters and then yep. got so much from it. But mm-hmm. I feel as though if I had to read through every chapter or forced myself to, I'd probably just put it down and... Yeah not soak up that much information for sure yeah no definitely oh here's one this is um this is a misconception about design that i just felt right i needed to air (laughs) um it's that it's all done in photoshop yeah okay um which is an interesting one because photoshop is one of about four key programs that i use right um the others being in the creative adobe creative suite so illustrator InDesign. Photoshop's probably the one I use the least, mm-hmm. but that's just the nature of the work that yeah, I do. Sure. And also Figma. Um, and the reason that design isn't all done in Photoshop is kind of, the, the, it's kind of given away in the name of the program. Uh-huh. It's designed for editing and manipulating photos. Right, yeah, yeah. Which by their nature are pixel-based. So as soon as you want to blow something up, you're restricted to whatever image size mm-hmm. it was imported yep. as. So I work a lot with logo design, um, which is vector-based, um, which just doesn't work in, yeah. in Photoshop. Uh-huh. Because if you've got something that is pixel-based, it can't apply yep. to things. Like if, if it's been done at a tiny size, that's not going on a billboard mm-hmm. yep. or an aeroplane. Because yep. it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like an 8-bit kind of... Yeah, yeah. Like, did you have you ended up seeing the um, tail fins of those Virgin planes that I was telling you about the other day? No, I, I've jumped on a plane, and so Tom always, you know, as a, a um, brand focused designer, is always pointing out dodgy design everywhere, it's and a it's disease. it's infected um, me now as well. With it, <laughs> you it's, can't it's unsee it. Nah. And so when I was getting on a plane the other day, the Virgin um, logo, like on the tail fin, the painted red on the tail fin, the font was just completely screwed and has like a million different path points. It was just oh, unbelievable. Points, yeah. I just, it was like <laughs> we did a project together a little while ago with this font that was just really ugly and we called it the poo font 
because it looked like poo. And yeah, this was basically the same. I couldn't believe it was so blown up on this massive thing. But I guess, like, from far away, you never you don't notice that, right? Yeah. But then, yeah, as soon as I was standing next to it, I was like, oh, my God, Tom wouldn't be able to get on this plane if he was here. Yeah, and, and generally why that happens is that someone who was doing the design couldn't get access to the vector versions of the logo right. files, yep. which will be, you know, very few anchor points. Mm-hmm. Um, making up the logo. The best logos use as few anchor points as possible. Yeah. Um, and so they they wouldn't have received the vector file, and so they would have pulled one from the internet, which is a pixel-based image, uh-huh. thrown it into Illustrator, auto-traced it. Right. And, like, it's pretty intelligent, but it's not that intelligent. <laughs> so it's going to draw a million points around this logo. But it's amazing that... the just to to put that on the plane would cost a a bomb. Yeah, I'd imagine for sure. For sure. Um, you'd think that they could handle the artwork with a, a I, bit more respect. I know. Yeah, ridiculous. And because when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, surely you know you can't stuff this up this bad." And they've done it on purpose. And so I was researching, trying to find uh, <laughs> publicity oh, stunt. Yeah, or like, lol, <laughs> or something, or like, or maybe the logo was used somewhere else that I could see, and it wasn't just you know on the I don't know. Maybe it's their new yeah their new position in the market. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but yeah, sorry. So back to what you were saying before. So I think this is actually really interesting because as a developer, you see all these different design programs and the Photoshop's probably the one people are most common with now. Maybe that's changing to Figma or something like that. But definitely, like, what the hell do they all do? And so Photoshop, like you're saying, is more sort of photo pixel editing and Illustrator's more vector work, right? Yeah. And so what are the others? So InDesign, mm-hmm. which I use for layout, um, often print-based layout. But what, what do you mean by layout exactly? Like positioning sort of stuff? Like as an example, would it be like um, yeah. cre- creating a poster or... Yeah, so sorry, I should clarify the types of layouts that I'd work with mm-hmm. in InDesign because I guess I use Figma for web layout. Right, okay, um, yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd use InDesign for things like brochures, posters, mm-hmm. um, PDFs like mm-hmm. that are, it might be a, a pitch deck. I'd yep. still use InDesign for that. Um but just on the subject of pitch decks, I'd also use um, Keynote. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the future, I'll certainly be using um, a software that's coming out called Pitch. Okay. Which our friend T is working on at the moment. Right, right, right. The benefit of that is that it's it works both in uh, on Microsoft and yeah. Apple. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but anyway, yeah, InDesign I use mainly for print layouts. Okay. Um, Photoshop for manipulating photos. Um like as in like doing touch-up work or cutting things out or yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, well, recently I, I did like a kind of some album artwork for a psych rock band, mm-hmm. so I was just going crazy. <laughs> that was heaps of fun, you know, printing out whatever this zany image was and scanning yeah. it back in right, and right, right. manipulating it further. Uh-huh. But, yeah, retouching photos, you can certainly use it for that or, or cutting out images to use, you know, if you just want like a floating kind of character yeah, yeah. get rid of the background, you'd use Photoshop for mm-hmm. that. Because it's all dealing with pixels. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Illustrator's all dealing with vector. So you're kind of creating digital assets um, in Illustrator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which translate into basically, well, can translate into SVGs for web, which are vector-based. Definitely, um, yeah. yeah which, is, which is good. And so, but now, like, stuff like Figma's come on the scene, right? So... My boy. 
Absolutely. <laughs> when so when did that happen? Was it like or when's it? I guess it's gaining a lot of popularity now, but it probably started maybe what like a year ago, maybe even less. I'm not sure. I feel like it's been around for a little while. Like I feel like it has, but I sort of. But now I guess, well, I guess from my perspective, I'm coming from. Normally, I'd get all of everything in Photoshop files as for as a developer getting design work. Yeah. Um, but now it's not anymore. It's sort of the transitions happened where it's not expected yeah, to be sick. Photoshop. It's so sick. And whether, whether or not it's XD or whatever, stuff. yeah, it's it's horrible. And and fortunately, I entered web design around mm-hmm. this time. Yeah, perfect so time for it. So I was just like, oh, cool, I'm just going to learn just on Figma. Jump on the new tool, exactly. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is really, really good. And yeah, and the annoying thing about Photoshop, like you've probably seen all these ads everywhere for digital agencies being like, oh, pixel perfect, like Photoshop, um, you know, from design to development. And Is that even a benefit anymore? No. Like it's, it's like the worst. if it's pixel perfect, then it's going to break. I know. It's, yeah, the whole idea of pixel perfect was ridiculous. So the idea of pixel perfect is, you know, you get a design from a designer and there's lots of agencies that will translate that design into a website. And the idea is that it's, you know, an exact one-to-one copy. And it just means that... One, there's no sort of thought around um, usability and how consistently it might play out in, in web and how you build all the CSS and all that kind of stuff. But then also, you're probably just wasting heaps of time trying to make it pixel perfect when it really doesn't need to be. Like, you know, you need to be able to take some creative license. And maybe this comes back to creativity as well. As a developer, you need to be able to take some creative license with what you're building and um, some things work, some things don't, and, and playing around with them. And then you've got different browsers, which hopefully might be better soon, but... Um, but yeah, there's all that stuff to think about. And, and now, not in that and coming out of Photoshop and going to something like Figma or Adobe XD was great when I used it the other day, um, has been a godsend, really. Yeah, because, yeah, Pixel Perfect just sounds wildly inefficient. Because I, I tie that to, you know, a whole bunch of different browsers mm-hmm. already. If it's Pixel Perfect, you have to do the designs for those browsers, but then a whole bunch of different devices, yep. each which have different dimensions. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it's it's probably redundant already. Yeah. Oh, definitely. If not on its way out. Yeah, for sure. And so, have you used um, so you use Figma now a lot? Do you so? And, but there's a few Figmas, right? Or st- those types of programs now, like yeah. Adobe XD. I haven't I haven't used Adobe XD. I used Muse once or twice, mm-hmm. which was a pretty terrible experience. Right. And I think they clued onto that as well and have phased it out. Okay. Um, Who was that by? That was by Adobe. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was basically like all-in-one website builder. Right, so it's like like Dreamweaver 2.0. Yeah, or one that's succeeding. And I continue to hear really good things about, um, but haven't used it yet, is Webflow. Okay. So they're kind of the design and develop at the same time. Um, is that Adobe as well? No, okay. so this is a standalone thing, mm-hmm. um, which I've heard from a few people like them raving about yeah. it, those that are using it to run their business. Yeah, I, yeah. I hear a lot of backlash from anyone that's doing development. Yeah, okay. um, But, I mean, if it's working yeah, and sure. if, if people's problems are being There's solved... There's a place for it. it. Yeah. And so what happened with um, Indes- uh, not, not InDesign, um, InVision? Did you ever use that? No, I mean, that's that, I think that's still got its place as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. And I think, so that to me is probably actually the step so it sort of went Photoshop and then actually yeah we used InVision for quite a few projects and that sort of became a really popular thing and I think that is almost maybe what spearheaded things like Figma and whatnot. it's a bit mm. more well there's Sketch as well right? yeah oh sorry that's yeah another one that I'd used as well before which is great as well yeah Sketch was pretty good uh, when I was using it and uh, I still think Figma the, the learning curve was the 
least steep. Yeah, okay. Oh, have you seen in Figma? I just found this out the other day. There's a shortcut. I think if if you just hit question mark or shift question mark, um, a little window pops out from the bottom right, and it's probably two or three inches, and it's like a gamified version of all their shortcuts. Really? So it has a bunch of tabs. It'll be like, um, I forget what they are, but it's, um, yeah, so the question mark's in the bottom right, I think, and you hit that, and you can go to keyboard shortcuts. Right, and so it has these tabs across, it has these tabs across, and it's like essential tools, view, zoom, etc. and each one of them um, has the relevant shortcuts in there and what they do. But then as you use those shortcuts, they sort of like turn blue to indicate that you've actually used it before. Right. So it's sort of like this gamified way of going through the shortcuts and using them and trying them out and getting used to them. Well, that's sick. It's, it's unreal. It is so good. I've never seen an app do that before. There's yep. lots of apps these days where if you hit question mark, it'll show you the shortcuts, but I've never seen a gamified sort of version of it. And I reckon that's one of the best things to learn is shortcuts like that uh, for any program you use, obviously, but it just speeds things up so immensely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like definitely want to do a pod, uh, an episode on that whether it's shortcuts or just general um, small workflow efficiency increasing stuff. I yeah, love that kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there is there is a bit out there as well on, on at least um, the programs that we've discussed, like Photoshop and InDesign and Illustrator and now Figma. Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit out there on how to um, make your workflow as efficient as possible yeah because it's a game changer like it's something that i didn't pay heaps of attention to starting out as a designer right but as soon as it was like hey i need to really learn these shortcuts yeah you yeah your workflow like improves immensely absolutely it's always like a a good test when you see somebody else doing it and you're like geez you're like a wizard like what is going on over there (laughs) but by the same token it's like why aren't you Copying exactly. that artboard. Why do you keep making changes to the same document? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is yeah. the history? Uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. Cool. So I guess that probably wraps up those misconceptions. Um, so what would I guess be your sort of main little nugs or little takeaways from all that? Well, in summary, design is not all done in Photoshop. Uh-huh. Um, there are rules yep. to design. Um, there, there is a structure mm-hmm. that um, guides the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so designers are very process-driven, I yep. think. Yeah, um, Something I got from this is that developers are lured in with video games. And <laughs> I think that's <laughs> definitely a little nug we can take away. Yeah. And what about for you? Um, yeah, I guess almost backing onto that a little bit, that design isn't 100% creative and there is a process and you can learn it um, you know, and go through it and that as a developer, part of your job should be to review the work you've made from a design perspective and try and improve those skills and do it sort of with intent and with purpose and um, get better at it, yeah. Sick, dog. Cool. Um, oh, and actually, yeah, on that, so um, did you? Have, did I send you uh, can'tsee.space, that website with um, all those little designs? So it's sort of like a website and you had like a left side and a right side and there was just two designs and it might, as an example, it might have been like a screenshot of the Facebook comment box or something like that mm. and they were slightly different, so it might have been that some subtext or something had a different um, uh, hex value, just like slightly off, and it would ask you to pick like which one's the better design one, this one or this one, and it had all kinds of stuff like different layout or different spots, things were moved, and you had to like choose and go through them and decide what ones were the best. And so that actually really encapsulates, I think, what developers can do with their own work and just making those small little tweaks that actually have a lot of effect. Yeah, cool. So that was actually a really fun little, little website there. Yeah, well, I haven't used it, so we'll have to... Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot it here. Sounds good. Cool. Um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of it, guys. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Have a very good time. <laughs> See you in the next podcast. Bye now. Bye.